0: We are celebrating our Memorial Day as a nation this weekend, specifically tomorrow, when we celebrate the men and women who have served our nation in the armed forces, whether that's people who have died in the battlefield or those who served for a period in time in our services and then lived for a ripe, happy old age. We honor them and we revere them. Why? because of the sacrifices that they were willing to make. That they believed in an ideal. They believed in a reality, our nation, and the principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But not just that, in the abstract, they believed in you. They believed in you as family and friends and neighbors and townsfolk. And they were willing to go off and spend a certain period of time, or put themselves in harm's way in order to allow for that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to continue in our nation, and even in other nations where that is threatened. So that's the reason why, and many other reasons that we honor them, and we celebrate them, we remember them, and we as Christians pray for them. Now, what we do for our soldiers in this way, and for what they've done for us, and for here now and for our nation, shouldn't we also be doing that in regards to our Christian faith? Think of it this way. As Christians, we are called to live the principles of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness also. But not just in this world or in this nation at this time in our life here now but for all of eternity because what God offers us is the ultimate life unending freedom and unbounded happiness and more than we will ever know in this life and so isn't that worth each of us sacrificing for isn't that worth in our love for those who are closest to us, our family and our friends and our neighbor and our town folk, going off and doing whatever it is that we have to do in order to make that a reality for all of us. And again, not just in this world, but in the world especially to come. I offer this as a question to open up today's gospel reading for us. And specifically, just one line in the gospel reading, where Jesus says, The Father is greater than I. That's strange for us, because we've been taught as Christians up and down our lives that the Father and the Son are co-equal. So how can Jesus say, The Father is greater than I? Well, we have to look At the context. Well, the context is ultimately the whole Bible, but let's just stay with John's Gospel to see what Jesus means and what he doesn't mean. So, in John's Gospel chapter 1, Jesus says this, or John says this about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the word was god and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and then we hear in john chapter 20 at the end where after jesus resurrection thomas says these words to jesus about jesus my lord and my and my god right and then right in the middle of john's gospel in chapter 10 Jesus says, the Father and I are one. So if we look at the beginning and the end and the middle of John's gospel, we see clearly that Jesus is, in fact, divine, like the Father is. He is one with him, and he's equal to him in his divinity. So this is not what Jesus is meaning, is that somehow... God, the Father, is more God or more powerful, more divine than God the Son, Jesus Christ. No. We have to look more specifically at this particular context, chapter 14, and what follows it to get at what Jesus means, the Father is greater than I. He's speaking in a particular way about his own humanity. Because Where this is, chapter 14, is what's called the Last Supper Discourse. So Jesus is teaching His disciples before He goes off to be crucified and die. So He teaches us, and then His disciples, He takes them with them right after the Last Supper into the Garden of Gethsemane, and in the Garden of Gethsemane, He cries out to the Father, Father if it, please let this cup this cup of suffering that's going to happen pass from me but not my will but your will be done you see yes jesus is fully god fully divine but he's also fully human and what he's about to do is that he's going to take upon himself our sins he never sins he's perfectly human but the effects of our sins is what he begins to feel in the garden the darkness of our sins which cause doubt or fear or worry or anxiety about what's coming about the suffering that he's going to have to endure and so he says in that darkened state father let this cup pass from me but then he says but not my will but your will be done. You see, he's following the Father's will. The Father sent him as a missionary. They're co-equal, but he sent him as a missionary to join us in our humanity in order to save us in our humanity. And now he's overcome by the darkness of our humanity. And the thing that gets him through this is remembering the Father's will and saying, your will be done. Not just my will. Because in this dark and weakened state, I don't want this suffering. You think he wanted that? You think that left him with warm and fuzzy feelings inside? It didn't. And so he cries out, your will be done. This is something for all of us to note. Is that we are all called as missionaries. Every single one of us. Just like Jesus was sent as a missionary from the Father, so you and I are sent as missionaries by Jesus into this world. And we're sent to the people that are closest to us, like our family and our friends and fellow parishioners. The people that are here with you, today in this church and most especially the people who are not with here with you in this church on a sunday morning god sends you as a missionary to them what are they worth to you and what is it that is worth to you these ideals these realities that god offers us through jesus christ life Liberty and the pursuit of happiness not just in this world in our nation, but most especially Unending life Liberty and happiness in the world to come and If we love our fellow citizens Our brothers and sisters our family members our fellow prisoners. What are we willing to sacrifice for them? What are we willing to do for them? Are we willing to spend our lives Giving up our lives so that they might have life and freedom and happiness in Christ. Maybe they're only living life, liberty, and happiness here and now. And maybe we're thinking to ourselves, listen, they're happy. I'm happy for my son and daughter because they're happy. But is that enough for them? What the world offers them here and now? And is the world going to be able to pass them from the threshold of death into life eternal? No. As Christians, all these people that are around us, here now and those who are out there, they're watching us, whether we acknowledge it or not. They're paying attention to us. Are we their heroes in faith? Are we their martyrs in faith? Are we the men and women who value and love them so much and follow Him and remember that the Father has a plan for us and that He sent us like the Son as missionaries? And are we willing to say, not my will be done as an individual, but your will, Father, be done? and then go into their lives and keep going into their lives in order to lead them to the one who will give them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for life unending. They're watching us. And based upon what it is that we live our faith or don't, we're determined about whether they will follow us or not.